From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. If you want a better marketing presence, if you want better web presence, if you just want more people to find your business, give EPR Creations a call. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Information is in the show notes. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and do a quick Syracuse preview. I'm not going to uh, belabor this too much. This is one of those seasons where, to be frank, breakdowns oftentimes can be pretty simple because it boils down to line of scrimmage and quarterback play as much as anything else. And that's true in most years. But, I mean, question is, will Florida State be healthy enough up front to be able to block as they want? Will they be able to avoid stupidity, different things like this? And until that, that stuff changes, well, there's not a whole lot to preview. But we're still going to do it anyway. So I'm going to start with the Syracuse offense versus the Florida State defense on this one. This segment brought to you by Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. The best in the business out in the greater Jacksonville area. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. Information's in the show notes. Now, the first order of business when discussing this game on the Syracuse offense side is the recent switch that they made from starter starting quarterback Tommy DeVito, who has basically been their on-again, off-again starter for the last couple of years while they uh, dealt with lots of injuries to the previous starter who was ahead of him. And then, you know, DeVito consistently stepped in to be the uh, to be the new starter when, when he'd be hurt. And DeVito played reasonably well. I mean, he's a guy that gets rid of the football and uh, and can throw downfield, has, has pretty decent arm talent, but not, you know, elite in any stretch, but, you know, a decent player and does a lot of the things that they want to be able to do in terms of being able to get the ball down the field on some vertical routes, that sort of thing. But last week against Liberty in a game that they were ultimately favored to, to lose, or they were, they were underdogs in, they decided to make the switch to sophomore, former five-star recruit, Garrett Schrader. Big kid, he's about just over 6'4", about 230 pounds, and really in all sorts of ways, a completely different kind of player than what you're getting with DeVito, who's a smaller guy, relies a little bit more on quickness and, and making plays outside the pocket when he's not able to get the ball out quickly, uh, moving moving around uh, that way. Schrader is, you know, he's, he's more of a drop back guy in terms of what they want him to be long term. But really, at this point, he's more of a uh, of a guy who, in the running game, is can be more of a battering ram. can can kind of supplement the speed that they have at running back with somebody who's just basically going to be able to take take a beating. And they're kind of they kind of need that given their offensive line situation. So this is a, a situation that's a bit up in the air. I mean, it's not clear whether we're going to see both quarterbacks, whether it's just going to be Schrader, any of those things. At this point, a lot of that's up in the air. But Schrader has not proven at this point that he can really make the plays down the field that DeVito has in the past, although DeVito also was inconsistent in that area. Schrader's a guy that, that in terms of the tools and in terms of what he was projected to be coming out of high school, he was projected to be the future of this offense. A guy that could push the ball down the field, be a drop back type guy, but with enough movement ability and size to, to cause some problems in the running game. They didn't really get a whole lot in the, in the passing game out of him against uh, against Liberty, but he did manage the game well. 
and did use his legs with good success against that defense to basically be able to fall forward and pick up some first downs, that sort of thing. But basically, in making this shift, I think they're 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 looking towards the future and they're trying to move this offense in the direction that they want it to go. Now, if you're the older guy, if you're DeVito, you're not real happy about this. So we'll see how this sort of plays out from here. But this is uh, this is the big sort of development that's happened on this on the offensive side for Syracuse. Now, in terms of what they run, they're still running the Babers spread, which is a an offshoot of the uh, of the Baylor Art Bryles tree. He's running it with offensive coordinator Sterling Gilbert, who was at Baylor initially, learned the Bryles spread, that stuff there, and then moved on to TCU and University of Texas and has implemented this same this same stuff before. And now he's partnering with another sort of Baylor disciple in Babers trying to resurrect this Syracuse offense. And again, trying to build forward with a guy that they recruited specifically to run this offense. Given that, though, this is, you got to remember, the Bryles spread is really a veer and shoot sort of thing. They are trying to spread you out in order to be able to run on you, and they are a run-heavy offense in particular this year. This offense is all about Sean Tucker, number 34, their tailback. He is the straw that stirs the drink. He's a good back with excellent burst, and if he gets a seam in the open field, he can, he can take it to the barn. He's got outstanding speed. I mean, track type speed. So at right now, he's the second leading rusher in the nation. He's got over 500 yards. He's averaged almost six and a half yards a carry on the season. Played pretty well. And, and he's a guy that he's the guy that Florida State basically has to limit if they're going to win this game. If he runs for six and a half yards a carry in this game, Syracuse is going to win the game. It's pretty simple. Now, I do think their offensive line, based on the on what I saw of them, and I've watched both the uh, the Rutgers game and the Liberty game in terms of uh, or large portions of those games. And I'm of the view that their offensive line, which was abysmal last year, is better, but it's still shaky. And their center in particular, their center and their right tackle uh, are places that Florida State's going to be able to take advantage of them, I think. This could be a very good day for Jermaine Johnson in particular, as he gets matched up against that right tackle a good bit. They're going to have to find ways to, to block Florida State on the end there that will take away from some of what they like to do offensively. They're, they're going to have to add some extra pass protection if they're not going to get themselves killed by Johnson coming off the edge. Now, this that offense does include a lot of vertical shots, lots of four verts, and really it boils down to, on that end, can Florida State avoid getting themselves run by? Is that That's pretty simple. Can they just not get themselves run by like they did against Jacksonville State, like they did against Wake Forest, like happened on the second uh, on the first drive against against Louisville? Can they avoid giving up the the couple shot plays that are just devastating? Because that's what Syracuse is going to try to do. They're going to run the football, run the football, run the football, try to hit you deep. Can Florida State in the secondary avoid giving up those plays? The game boils down to those things. Now, I don't think Syracuse is really all that good on the edge. I don't think they have a bunch of playmakers. But still, Florida State has proven pretty vulnerable to that stuff. I mean, Jacksonville State also does not have, you know, top shelf ACC receiver talent, and they managed to do it too. So that's where things stand. Now, I, I will say that that even though Syracuse is three and one, they they've played a pretty poor schedule so far. 
And that needs to be noted. Florida State might be 4-0 if they'd played Syracuse's schedule. And yes, I know there are folks out there who are going, but Florida State lost to an FCS school. Yes, it was a a top-shelf FCS school. No doubt. And I think that Jacksonville State team might be better better than Ohio and Albany, and every other team that Florida State has played is better than Rutgers and Liberty. So, I mean, Liberty's the one that you could argue for. But if you look at what their offense has done against those teams, 6.1 yards per play, almost 6.2 yards per play, and 29 points against Ohio. That's okay in the opener. 4.16 yards per play and 7 points against Rutgers. That's not getting it done. 10 yards per play and 62 points versus Albany. Okay, you can live with that. And then 4.49 yards per play and 24 points against Liberty. Not terrible, but not good. 4.49 yards per play is not going to win you a bunch of games. Florida State's had better success yards per play across the board, though they haven't played a team quite on the level of Albany, who's you know not a Jacksonville State-level FCS team. So... You look at that schedule and you say, okay, they're three and one. They've had a, they've had some success there, but they haven't played teams on the level of what Florida State has played, and they certainly haven't played teams that have had some of the athletes on defense that Florida State does have. And it's worth noting that I mean, Florida State, even though they don't have a ton of talent on offense, the defense has enough talent to be better than they've been, and they've got more talent than generally what Florida State, uh, what they're more talent than what uh, what Syracuse has played. So. I'm of the view that even though Rutgers may not have necessarily all the athletes in all the places that Florida State does, they might be a little better defensively than Florida State. But I think Florida State should be able to hold Syracuse to a comparable number to what Rutgers did in terms of yards per play. They'll probably give up a play or two more downfield just because, well, that's what they do. But And so that'll probably mean that more more than seven points given up. But I think in terms of line of scrimmage play and some of those things, they can give Syracuse the same kind of problems that Rutgers did. And that's why Rutgers gave up four four yards per play. To me, this Florida State team should be giving up around 4.2 yards per play in this game. Success is better than that. And they should give up under 17 points. Over 17 points to this Syracuse team, and I, I think you should be disappointed as a rule for this Florida State team just because of the way that that matchup works and, and how, how Syracuse has looked or what they've looked like against teams that are that have been on their schedule so far that are not dominant teams by any stretch. And we're going to go ahead and move to the other side of the ball. And the other side of the ball brought to you by Shenandoah Newsma by of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You can find her at shenrealestate.com. Tell you heard about her from the Unconquered Podcast. If you need any real estate transactions to be done in the research triangle area of North Carolina. So the Syracuse defense, they've transitioned to a, a new look. They're more the three, three, five John Heacock, Iowa state style defense, similar to what Georgia tech has been running the last couple of weeks and what gave Clemson nightmares uh, a couple of weeks ago before Clemson then had even worse nightmares against NC state. But Basically, they're, they've managed to make this work. And one of the things that's good about the 335 is where when you have somewhat more limited talent defensively, particularly when you're more limited on the in, in the defensive talent and size up front, this is a defense that allows you to kind of use just athletes in the back end to compensate for some of the lack of elite talent in the trenches. That's basically what you're doing there. 
and they move around a ton. They're very active on defense. And they've got a decent and, and very active defensive line out of that. They're generally going to be in that three defensive linemen on the field, along with maybe an outside backer walked up sometimes. Sometimes he's not. But that's what they're doing. And to me, their best their best group of players is their linebackers. That's 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 the strength of their defense. Those guys trigger well. They've tackled in, in space well. And they haven't given up a ton, a ton of big plays, partly because the secondary and the backers have done a good job of getting guys in the ground when they've actually gotten there. And they're doing a good job of, of pursuing and running to the football from multiple angles so that you break one tackle and there's still somebody else there. Now, I don't think they're especially good in the secondary. I mean, they're young and I think they're vulnerable. They've not played against a whole lot of teams that can give them a lot of trouble on the edge because they just don't have players. And I'm not sure Florida State has that either. I think this is a I think this is a, a, a team that if a couple of guys from Florida State are able to have quality games, if they're able to step up and do some of this, th- th- these corners will give them a chance. These safeties will give them a chance. Somebody like Malik McLean is a better athlete than what they have on the outside. This is a game where Pokey Wilson can get behind somebody. You know, if you can get parchment to make sure that his head is, is in every rep, he's a guy that can run by some of these guys. And I do think you want to test them, particularly up the seams, that three, three, five, sometimes they're going to have, they're going to play a lot of cover three type stuff behind, uh, behind that, that look, try to hit them in those seams from slot receivers coming up that seam, and that's a throw that Milton can make. He made that throw a decent amount of times at, uh, at at UCF. And I think you have to attack them vertically, sort of down the hashes, given a lot of what they do. And, and Florida State has some players that should be able to give them some trouble there. But given where their strengths are, to me, this matchup is mostly a sort of strength versus sort of strength. Because I don't think Syracuse's defense is very good, but it's good enough in some of the areas to give Florida State's offense, which also isn't very good, some trouble in exactly the places where Florida State's offense is is, is best, which is in the running game. And that really is key. I mean, is Florida State going to get anything out of their running game in this game since they're playing against a scheme that is it's a little bit different than what they've seen so far? Physically, I think Florida State's offensive line can block this defensive line, no doubt, particularly on the interior. And I think Florida State's offensive interior can handle what Syracuse throws at them. I just don't think Syracuse is big and especially imposing on the inside. But again, the problems with the 3-3-5 is, are that you've got a lot of different assignments that change. You're not sure necessarily who's going to handle the A gap. You're not sure who's going to be in the B gap. Your guys are moving around a lot and they do a lot of stunting and gaming and all that. And they'll have the free safety be responsible for the A gap where, you know, he's not a guy that you're generally considering as a, as a run fitter in normal fronts as an offensive line. So you leave that open and all of a sudden he's coming downhill from the free safety spot and making a tackle in the backfield. This is the sort of thing that, you know, the three, three, five basically does. So main thing is, are they going to be able to be assignment sound up front with the offensive line unit that they've got, and then be able to get their hands on, on those backers. And if they can, I think Florida state can run the ball on this group because I think they can handle the, that defensive line in the running game reasonably well. So a lot of this game is basically avoid turnovers. The Syracuse defense has not given up a ton of, of big plays down, down the field or in the running game. So I think you have to be patient and you've got to be able to avoid turnovers and the big mistake in order to be able to score the points that you need to against this team. And that's not been something that Florida State's been really good at this year. That said, they and you think about where they're 
where, where the Syracuse defense is. I mean, they only gave up 5.95 yards per play and 21 points against Liberty. And that's, that's against an NFL quarterback in Malik Willis, a guy that's going to go fairly highly in the NFL draft. It's a quality dual threat quarterback. And that offense has been good. Now, again, not against top competition generally, but you know, that that's a pretty decent defensive performance. And they only gave up 3.66 yards per carry in the running game on 41 carries. So that's, again, they, they did well in basically limiting running plays if you're going to get a gain to three and four and five yard gains and stopping it there and not really letting guys loose in the, in the back end. Florida State's backs are going to have to win some matchups against those backers and be able to get some plays, even though, again, in that 3-3-5, they've got a lot of guys playing over the top. There's not a lot of room for those big plays. That's what they're relying on. So will Florida State be able to manufacture a running game in this game? Will they be able to play action and, and do some RPOs and things and hit down the seam? That's th- Those are the areas where you're going to want to attack them. But they need to be able to run it in this game to have success. And to me, success is around six yards per play in this game, just a little more than what Liberty did. And I think Florida State should be able to get around that. So, you know, it's just a matter of will they be able to avoid turnovers, drive-ending penalties, those sorts of things that Syracuse is going to rely on as they force Florida State to to get smaller chunks than the sorts of things that they've been able to score on so far this year. And in that regard, it's not the best matchup because Florida State really wants somebody, wants a team that's going to give up some big plays because they've not been good at doing anything else. So let's move over to the overall preview or the overall projection here. This part brought to you by Garage Makeover is the best garage remodeling company in South Florida. Information in the show notes there. To me, this game is going to come down to whether Florida State can clean up the stupid, the stupid stuff. I mean, it's as simple as that. Are they going to be, are they going to turn the ball over six times like they did against, uh, against Wake Forest? You know, five times that mattered plus the, uh, the Hail Mary at the end of the half plus the, the, uh, roughing the kicker call, which is a bad call. And then also the, uh, the late hit out of bounds, which extended two drives. So those amount to basically two other turnovers. I mean, are they going to do that stuff or are they not? I think if Florida state's minus two in this game, Syracuse wins the game. Florida State's minus one and, you know, not any other like true turnover type plays. And Florida State probably wins this game. So it really boils down to clean up the super stupid stuff and handle your assignments reasonably well. And Florida State wins the game. I do think Florida State will take a step forward this year. I mean, I think the level of competition these two teams have played so far this year is very different. And Florida State is prepared to play a team at, at Syracuse's level. So as crazy as it sounds, given that they've not been able to get out of their own way so far this year, I'm going to go with Florida State to win the game. Uh, I think they should win the game. I've got them about a 65% chance of winning this game. I'll put the final score at around 27-17 Florida State. Around six yards per play from the offensive offensive side of the ball and right around 4.2, 4.3 yards per play from the defense. That's about where I expect it. And again, it boils down to the turnovers and stupid stuff. If Florida State's not minus two or worse in this game, I think they'll I think they'll they'll win the game. But we shall see. That's why they play the game. And this is going to be an interesting one to watch. It probably is going to be a pretty ugly one to watch, but pretty interesting because there's a lot of uncertainties here and some inconsistency on both sides of the ball. So I'll be back on Saturday with another edition of the Hot Takes podcast. Until then. 
This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.